Welcome to the Readings Podcast. I'm Dave Little, and today we're speaking with American musician Ben Folds. Folds came to prominence in Australia as the frontman of the Ben Folds Five, gaining particular notoriety on Australian radio for the 1997 album Forever and Ever Amen and the single Brick. He's recorded numerous solo and collaborative albums that blend pop and classical music, performed with symphony orchestras around the world, and is currently the artistic advisor for the National Symphony Orchestra in the US. He's recently published a memoir about his musical career with Simon & Schuster called A Dream About Lightning Bugs, A Life of Music and Cheap Lessons. He's currently in Melbourne for the Melbourne Writers' Festival and joins us today to discuss the book and his many creative pursuits. Ben, thank you for joining us. The book contains a lot of lessons about being a practicing musician, uh, but it begins with a discussion about how you see the role of an artist in the world more generally. Um, that has a lot to do with paying attention, I think. Uh, you write that there's always sound beneath the sound you hear or something else to see when your eyes adjust. Uh, why is paying attention so important to being an artist and what does it have to do with your dream about lightning bugs? Well, you can't pay attention to everything. Something will um, interest you and show itself first. And um, I think that's what... You know, that's what I want to concentrate on. Um, the lightning bugs dream, dream I had when I was two years old, um, you know, I, I, was, I could see lightning bugs, and the other children didn't notice the lightning bugs. As soon as I did, I could point them out, and then they saw them. Then I bottled them, gave them, you know, put them in a jar. And um, that was my way of uh, sharing the thing that I noticed. But maybe one of the other kids might have seen stars instead or clouds rolling in something else. It's not to say that, you know, I was the only one that saw a thing. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting that, that, that once you uh, do pay attention, there are certainly other things always underneath the thing that you've noticed. And accessing those things often dredges up the stuff on top of it too. You know, it's like if you're looking for a, uh, a, a book inside your bag and it's at the bottom of the book, you know, you're, you're going to have to wade through other stuff. It's, I, 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 I think it's, but, but eventually you have to focus on the one thing that interests you the most, which is a lot where the book is about. Yeah. Um, how, how does that attentiveness help you shape your own music? Um, you talk a lot about hearing melodies and everyday things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you don't have much time to explain yourself in the song, so you really got to get to the things uh, that uh, that are have uh, that light up, you know. Um, and um, with a song, as well as not having much real estate to explain yourself, um, it really has to be uh, uh, poetically evocative of something else. If it's of interest to you. Um, it's just going to radiate that much more. And it's not just a simple matter of, of, of going, oh, what interests me. You've got the technique and, and the, uh, the craft of uh, process of putting a piece of art together, which is really difficult. Because once you start shining the light, uh, uh, the intellectual light and the skill required to, uh, uh, to create something out of your interest, um, like the lightning bugs, the, the, the fireflies, they disappear into the day. As soon as you shine light on them, they, they disappear, like, like John Lennon's uh, a metaphor of, of the cockroaches that, that are out scurrying around. As soon as he turns the light on, they go back to the corners. Uh, he was frustrated by uh, 
the fact that that his uh, paying intellectual attention to something which was necessary to form the idea was also the very thing that scared his uh, cockroach ideas out of the way. So, so I, I think all that comes into play, and that's why I feel like it's a reasonable metaphor for creativity in the book. Yeah. Um, so you grew up in North Carolina, um, and a lot of the book is about how you shaped that craft over time. Um, and you talk about being a, a class tourist cl- growing up, and, and that, that sort of impacted on your songwriting. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, uh, we moved every... Um, every year, every other year within the same town to all the different areas, boroughs, neighborhoods, up and down the class system. Um, and Winston-Salem, North Carolina is, is one of those unique cities that really does have an entire spectrum. Um, it, it, it's, it starts well at the bottom and it goes way over the top and in terms of like, uh, old money. Um, there aren't many places in the U S that actually have, a true upper class, um, probably even fewer in Australia. It's a, it's a matter of newness that you know that that uh, that that's the case. But our town very old and has that class. So I I felt never at home in any of the classes. I I would go to someone's house and it would be you know a, a CEO's family, um, way way upper class. And um, I didn't know how to hold my fork or what to say at dinner, but then I would go to someone really poor, play play at their house, and I would be looked at as someone with you know maybe a snob, and and I'm not sure I've I've, I've fit into any of them. As a result, I got exposure to all of them, uh, which I think is a real gift. Uh, on the other side of that, not feeling at home in in, in them, but I did observe more because. If you're if you're in it, you don't observe as much. If you're on the edge of it, you tend to to observe more. I mean, for one, you'd like to figure out how to fit in. So you're watching everything, everyone's saying, everything is doing, trying to figure out how am I going to fit in, uh, and you're not taking things for granted the way you would if you were simply immersed in it. So I, I never felt totally immersed or at home in anything. And the true gift of that is, I feel like I watched a lot. Something else that you talk about is being important. Uh, to your, so your musical um, journey ha- has been the teachers that you've had along the way. Yeah. Um, and you, you sort of name check a few of them in, of your high school teachers, I believe. Um, it's not a lot of rock memoirs talk about their high school music teachers, but that's something that's really important to you. Partially because I've never seen it done by, by a rock artist. I mean, maybe it has been, but I just never saw it. And um, I think in, in general, in my art form, if we can call it that, of uh, rock, rock music, rock and pop music, we, um, we sort of cast out the last generation along with their sagging record sales and their uncool uh, way of dressing and manners. Because rock and roll is a reactionary, youth-driven uh, art form. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that you don't have a thing to learn from, from those before. Um, you know, people don't mind looking back through the record collection or, uh, you know, n- noting something about the who or, or learning in that way, but direct mentorship, very, very rare. So I just, I've come to think in, in, uh, at my old age that, um, mentorship in rock music is really super important and shouldn't be taken for granted. So I looked back, I thought, who were my mentors? Even if they were temporary, who did I learn from? And maybe I should 
uh, even for myself, acknowledge and thank them so that I don't think that I did it all by myself because that would be uh, quite a load to carry. Yeah. Um, a bit later on in life when the Ben Falls Five are kicking off, um, you write about finding your unique artistic voice. Um, and you talk about it as a process of subtraction, um, stripping away what's covering up the essence of, of something. Um, can you tell us a bit how you arrived at that um, and what you call your uh, key of awkward? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it is a matter of subtraction. It must be because usually what's in the way is an affectation or tension. And it's difficult because, you know, anyone, all of us, trying to find our artistic voice. You know, an unfortunate perspective of being yourself is you never get to be with yourself like everyone else does. You don't get to see the essence of artistry inside that artist. You can feel it, but you can't you can't see you can't see it. You see no evidence of it. The same way that so your voice sounds different in your own skull. Um, you never get to see yourself from the side or behind and see what it's like to meet yourself. So that makes you uniquely unqualified to, uh, to, to identify your artistic voice, which I think makes it very, very difficult. So what you do, I think then is, is things that aren't necessary. Something you've seen someone else do, you know, the imitation phase is a, a great burden while it teaches you something about how to go through the motions it certainly tells you nothing at all about who you are so the more subtraction you do you just get down to yourself do you like what you see once you strip it all away most people don't so it's very difficult to be that person to be yourself and that's why the process is hard i mean for me um you know i had all kinds of odd aff affectations of what i thought a proper quote singer was you know they 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 might, might have gone, yeah, 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 might have done things that like, uh, why not just sing the note? Sing, just, just sing the note on, on pitch. Maybe that's the way that it should work. So um, I, I think I was aware at some point that I just needed to relax. Technique, after all, proper technique is not unlike finding your voice. Proper technique is about relaxing all that you don't need to be using. Once that's stripped away, then you try like hell with every fiber of your being at that thing that is the only thing that's necessary. If I'm playing piano, I've got my pinky sticking up. That's unnecessary. Uh, um, that's unnecessary effort. Just relax the pinky, put it down. You don't need, you don't need that. You don't need to like clench your jaw when you're, when you're playing stuff like that. Jaw clenching is kind of spiritual. Jaw clenching is what you're doing when you're avoiding or covering up your artistic voice. You need to subtract to find it. Did you writing this book, did you find yourself going through that process again at all? Did you take take, take anything away to reveal something about yourself as you Excellent doing question. Even 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 in terms of the um, writing voice, I allowed myself to begin sounding like a writer, somewhat accustomed to writing things. You know, made I write songs, right? So jumping into a book, I, I'm kind of aware of that at 50 years old, uh, that this is going to happen. I just relaxed into it. I wrote like a quote writer. Yeah. It sounded kind of like a writer, but it was full of unnecessary stuff. And so I did what I do in a lot of my songs, which is after I've done that process and I've skipped around and like I was someone else, uh, I just began to cut it down to how I would say it. Some of that re required my reading aloud to make sure wasn't, you know, at the end of the day, it's not important for me to sound literary. It's not important for me to sound like a writer or have someone reach you for the thesaurus on page two. What's important is that 
what I mean to get across is it, it gets across. That's a hard thing to remember because your ego wants people. Anyway, I'm going to put out a book. Well, people, oh, how well can he write? Well, I would rather them say it doesn't seem to be able to write very well. I understood every word of it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Um, you wrote, you've written obviously a lot about personal candid stuff in your songs. How did it feel to do that as a memoir? Um, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't much different from when I do it in a song. My, I'm, I'm very mercenary about, it. I want to write the best song. I'm like a songwriting robot. I want to write the best song I can write. Uh, if I have to, um, if I have to reveal if that the strongest thing for me to do is to use personal experience, I just take a deep breath and do it because I would, I would prefer to write the great song and, and, and deal with whatever embarrassment or, you know, <laughs> the, anything that I'd have to deal with. I would prefer to just go ahead and deal with that and make the best song I can. The same goes for the book. If I'm going to tell people, you know, one of the things I've learned as a writer is, is you should be honest. If I'm going to say that, I, 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 am not allowed to be dishonest or cover myself up lest I ruin my book. And I'm not willing to do that. Um, we like to ask our guests to step into the shoes of a bookseller for a moment and, um, make some recommendations, uh, which is what we usually do. Can you think of, uh, three pieces of writing or pieces of music that were important to you while you were writing this book? Um, while I'm writing and while I'm uh, making an album, I, I just kind of, that's the moment where I actually shut off, and I, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of stuff at at, at that time. I don't have any reason for it. It's just capacity. Um, at this moment, um, I think the Rainbow Troops is a great book. Uh, Educated, which is you know been everyone knows that book, but that's a beautiful book. Um, I think, um, you know. Uh, instrumental by james rhodes who's a uh, english classical pianist that's a gorgeous book it's funny sad you know, many of the things he thinks about music i agree i think those things about music too uh to cross over to music let's just go ahead and say james rhodes again he has a he has a great album uh, out of uh, solo piano pieces uh called fuck digital He's a classical pianist, and this is the way he talks. And that's the way he plays too. He plays his fuck with his fingers on the piano, and it's it's beautiful. And it's also he also is approaching uh, uh, classical music with the courage of of Glenn Gould, and that he's he's considering that there may be another way to uh, to to view the story of these compositions. And you can get roasted for that. So I think he's a very brave man. That's great. Um, congratulations on the book. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Right on. Good to be here. Thanks. Cheers. You've been listening to Ben Folds talk about his new book, A Dream About Lightning Bugs, which is available from all reading stores. You can stream previous episodes of the Readings Podcast on our website, readings.com.au, where you'll also find news, reviews, and interviews, and information on our current book, music, and DVD releases. You can even sign up for our newsletter, The Readings Monthly. Thanks for listening.